The more that you're in your own confidence and you're in your own body, and the more you don't need someone else to fulfill you, but that you fulfill yourself, that is what makes you so attractive. Uh, hell yeah. <laughs> That's from guest and sexual empowerment coach Imagine in her conversation with Christine Hassler on the Over It and On With It podcast. Listen in to get Imagine strategies for incorporating pleasure in everyday life, her somewhat controversial view on life after becoming single, and how to get out of our overly active minds and connect it back into our bodies. It's Tracy. Thanks for being here. And welcome to another replay of the day on this episode of Invisible You, a podcast for women over 40 living courageously. Today we're talking sexual confidence, and I'm here to give you the five simple steps to go from headache to hell yeah in the bedroom. Okay, not really. What kind of show do you think this is anyway? My God. <laughs> but actually, we are talking about sexual confidence, just minus the five simple steps. And since I struggle with talking openly on the subject of sex, I figure what better way to pop that cherry, so to speak, than in the privacy of a podcast, because no one listens to these things anyways, right? And don't get me wrong, I like sex as much as the next person. I mean, from what I remember, I've been single a while, so it's been a minute, but I assume it all still works the same. And if you listen to the last episode, you know I love men, in particular ones that specialize in neuroscience and whose name starts with the letters doctor and end with Huberman. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. And it's only taken me, what, 40 some years to break that vow of silence and start to enjoy learning more about my sexuality. I think in part because I'm just more comfortable in my own skin and I'm getting better at expressing myself. And as I get older and my health improves, well, my libido seems to be making a comeback. That's seriously embarrassing. But I'm starting to understand how a teenage boy feels going through puberty. It's uncomfortable. And before you judge me, it's honestly not me. Really, it's my hormones. I swear. And in the words of Nicole Kidman from Practical Magic, yep, that's right, I'm back. Woo, hang on to your husbands, girls. Good times. Or, or maybe it's Mother Nature. She's just knocking at my door, pink slip in hand, ready to retire any unused merchandise, aka my eggs, <laughs> for laying down or maybe not laying down on the job. And thanks to intelligent conversations like the one between Imagine and Christine, and of course the good people at Pornhub, sex isn't the four-letter word that it used to be. And since it's only part of the picture, it gets us to something else they bring up, which is an intention to find more pleasure in life. And yes, of course, that might mean sexual pleasure, but not just that. It's finding the little things in your day-to-day -day that give you joy and actively pursue them. And I know what you're thinking. Wait, joy? Is that even a thing? And what's it got to do with sex? Well, for one thing, it can be kind of hard to drop into your body if you're unhappy in your head. 
And for a long time, I had no clue that was a missing piece in my life. Why would I? It's not exactly the talk of suburbia backyard cookouts and neighborhood birthday parties, but just because I didn't know it was missing doesn't mean I didn't feel something was missing. And unfortunately, you just don't know what you don't know. And last month in acting class, one of the emotions we worked on was, can you guess it? Yeah, joy. (laughs) Our direction, create a scene with it and go. And when I heard this, I was like, oh, what the fuck? Are you kidding me right now? Like, are you kit joy? I have to be all happy and shit. But actually, it was awesome. It was a ton of fun and unbelievably cathartic. No matter what mood people walked in with that night, they all left feeling good. Which begs the question, do you need to seek out what brings you pleasure and do those things? Or can you make a practice of creating it within yourself? I think both. And as easy as it is to think of something negative, putting yourself into a negative emotional state, it's just as easy to replace it with something positive like joy. It just takes practice. And the key word is replace. Because if you don't make a choice, your mind's going to make it for you, and usually with another shitty thought to take its place. And who wants to go through life having the same crappy day over and over again without doing things you love? I've done it. It sucks. You have got to carve out some small piece of happiness for yourself and do it on the regular. Otherwise, and I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir here, (laughs) you're going to build up resentment, anger, bitterness, frustration with yourself, your environment, and even more importantly, your relationships. You will, they will, I did suffer. And it's not rocket science. It's just not always within our awareness. It's so easy to get caught up in our own fishbowl of life that we can't see the water needs changing. And for me, it took a divorce, a shitload of self-help and therapy, and 10 years of chronic disease to figure that out. Please don't wait that long. Take care of yourself now. It's not selfish. It's not overindulgent or self-centered or any other shameful thought we have about ourselves. It's necessary if we don't want to suffocate in the dirty water of our shitty feelings. And if you think about it, really, it's a selfless act. Not that you need an excuse to do something for yourself, which you absolutely do not, but if you feel like you need one, you can give, serve, and support a whole heck of a lot more if you're doing those things for yourself as well. In other words, you can't give what you don't have. It's exhausting. And I just have to say this really quick public announcement. You do not have to give your partner sex in exchange for taking care of your own needs. It shouldn't have to be a tit-for-tat kind of thing. And if you're bullied or guilt-tripped into it, they are manipulating you. And and that's just a whole separate issue that might need some attention. I'm not saying that because it happened to me, you understand. But I don't know if you remember my friend Stacy from a few episodes back. Well, <laughs> she told me that every time she did something for her husband... It was because she owed him for something he had done for her. And every time he did something for her, well, then she owed him. Either way, she was always a debt. Now that's just bad accounting. So obviously not everyone's eager to embrace change. But with a little training on your part, they'll get over it. I mean, they got used to who you are now, so they can get used to who you're going to be. 
Unfortunately for me, it was just a little too late and my window of opportunity expired. And that led to some really difficult decisions on my end, but as hard as it was, really I've gone from absolute misery and extreme self-obsession because when we're miserable, all we do is think about ourselves and our own misery to a feeling of gratitude and supportive of others. And I'm just a whole lot better to be around. And something that's always challenged me growing up in the era of children should be seen and not heard is how to stop hiding my emotions and expressing how I feel, good, bad, or ugly, because they're going to come out either way. It's just a question of how. And it's been a huge part of my personality to stay contained, in control, not be overly expressive or excited because that could be awkward and make people feel uncomfortable. And God forbid we're seen as being just a little too much because I feel the need, the need to please. And I mean, shit, if I'm flirty with people, they may think I'm a tease or easy, not flirty enough that I'm prude and uptight, too angry. And people might get the idea that I'm bitchy, upset. I'm high strung, fragile and overly emotional. And the list goes on, right? Crazy, bossy, rigid, angry, slutty, high maintenance, all the colorful labels they get slapped on us for showing up as just too much. It's one of the reasons to get into acting class. You're actually celebrated for expressing and the more the merrier. So what brings you pleasure? Do you even remember or has it been so long that like me, you've totally forgotten? And if that's the case, then I have a prescription for that. And it was given to me directly by an old business coach. Are you ready? Make a list. I know. (sighs) Mind blowing. (laughs) Write down all the things you can think of that you used to enjoy, think you might enjoy, or definitely will enjoy, and start doing them. But you have to take action on them because nothing will change if it stays in your head. I know when I've talked to women, especially women that are in our Be The Queen program, a big piece of it is self-pleasure, really coming home to your body, coming home to your sexuality and not, you know, making your turn on dependent on someone else. And one of the questions I get a lot is around self-pleasure because when people hear self-pleasure, generally they go to masturbation. That's sort of the association. Could you expand our awareness as to what pleasure is and how we start to discover that for ourselves and really make that part of our, our, our self-love practice. I mean, I think we can do it every day in our lives, you know, like, like taking pleasure and joy in the things that we do every day is like, that's a missed opportunity for a lot of folks, Mm -hmm. because how often are we rushing through a meal? You know, I was guilty of that right before I got on here. I was like, oh man, I had like a meeting pretty close to this. I didn't have much time to eat. So I ate really fast and I didn't get to actually really enjoy my food. How often are we, you know, not pausing to smell the flowers, so to speak, or literally, you know, it's like, I, I make a habit of, you know, like one of the things I love the most that's so pleasurable to me is wind. Like Mm. I love wind. I love the breeze on my face. And if I'm like walking or I'm talking with someone outside and a beautiful breeze comes up, I stop. I've made a rule with myself that I stop and I feel it. I like close my eyes and I just let myself feel that for a moment. And I think it's, so it can be so many moments. It might be different things for different people, but it's like, what are those moments across your day where you can just 
take full pleasure in something, like be so present with it and, and to do it audibly also, you know, I think we get to give ourselves more permission for like, Oh, oh my God, mm. this food is so good, you know, or whatever, like to really like relish things, you know? And I think that people have a lot of shame around relishing. It's like, oh, I should feel uncomfortable with that because there's something about pleasure that like we're supposed to keep it under wraps. We're supposed to keep it quiet and secret. And, um, and I think that the more of us that actually visibly, audibly, verbally, you know, really show our appreciation for life and our eroticism in the things in life that, that juice us up, um, whether it's sexy things or whether it's experiences of our senses, right? Our sensuality is our experience of the world through our senses. So, so whatever those things are, I think the more of us that do that, the more we create a world that embraces pleasure and sees it as something that is not like, it is not a luxury to feel pleasure. Like it is a necessity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We were not put on this earth to be miserable and unhappy. And then maybe we squeeze in 10 minutes to get ourselves off once a week or once a month or whatever. Like that's, that is not what life is for. I'm, I'm sure of that. So, you know, we, we get to really enjoy the pleasure in the things that we do. And that might also be like work, you know? And I think it's like, like there's pleasure in finding liberation, you know, which, you know, Adrian Marie Brown wrote about in her book, Pleasure Activism. It's like, there's like, we get to experience the pleasure of like fighting for the world that we want, you know, mm. or, you know, like standing for our principles, you know, being in community, um, laughing with friends. I mean, there's such a range of things that we get to experience pleasure from. And because we're so busy, we're so overscheduled, we're so in a rush, we are missing it. Yeah, We are missing it so yeah. often, so much of the time. And I'm guilty of it too. Like I live in the same world. Like I, you know, we, it, I think it's bringing ourselves back to it over and over. And that really translates to our sex life. I know for me, when I really am taking those moments, I love the wind as well. I love the sound of wind through trees and hearing the leaves. I love certain material. I love music. And the more I'm actually paying attention to that and, and, and really like enjoying that and savoring that, or even a hug from my husband, the more alive I am sexually. Because it's like I'm giving um, awareness and attention and I'm nurturing my pleasure. And I think that sex has become so much of a a getting off thing rather than a pleasurable, sensual activity that we've in a lot of ways lost connection with that sensual aspect of the human nature because we've been so busy (laughs) and we've been so Mm -hmm. desensitized and overstimulated and in our heads you know, it's so easy to, to be in our heads. And that's something I hear from so many people, especially women, is they're just in their head during sex. Mm-hmm. They just in their head, in their head, in their head, thinking about everything from their body to whether they're doing it right to the to-do list for tomorrow. Any tips for getting out of our head, especially during sex? I mean, I think it goes to what you just said. Like we have to do it on the regular. Because if you are in your head, overthinking, 
like not connected to your body all day long. And then suddenly it's the end of the day and you're with your sweetie, you know, wanting to be present sexually and be in your body. That's not an easy transition to make, you know? So it, 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 I mean, it's like meditation, right? The more we meditate, I mean, and I think that's a piece of it, the more we meditate and take breaks from our brain and get ourselves into the present moment, the more we're going to be able to do that in sex. And then I think it's also like, are we taking care of our bodies? Are we working out? Are we, um, are we enjoying being in our bodies? Are we finding ways to do that? Even simple things like not just slapping lotion on after your shower Mm. and rushing to get dressed because you got to rush into your day, but like luxuriating in your lotioning of your body, like enjoying rubbing it into your body, you know, taking moments throughout your day to pause and put on a song you like and dance, you know, like what are the things that work for you to bring you into your body? You know, maybe it's doing planks. I don't know. You know, it can be (laughs) anything, but you know, we, we get to get more connected to our bodies. And if we're not doing that in the rest of our lives, we're not going to probably do that very well sexually. So there's not like a, a magic way to turn it off, you know, in sex. But I I do think some of the same kinds of things can work. Like if, if we're running a list, you know, like tell, tell your sweetie to pause for a minute, go in the bathroom, jot down your list. (laughs) (laughs) Like you would do in the middle of the night. If you can't sleep, you get up, you write the list and then you can let it go. Right. And so, so maybe it's like trying things like that to see if that will help. Um, but really, you know, it's about mindfulness and presence Mm -hmm. and being in our bodies and learning how to do that in all sorts of ways. And sex is going to be magnanimously better if you can do that. Mm -hmm. What about for people who are just coming out of a divorce or a long-term relationship where sex was either kind of robotic or just not there and are going back into the dating world and are wanting to rediscover and reconnect to their sexuality, but feel intimidated or behind or like they've just dried up. What, what words of wisdom, because you're so good with this, do you have for people that fall into that group? It's like, it's like half my clients. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've learned to, I have really started to see divorce or let's say losing a partner, right? Shifting from being partnered into not being partnered, whether you lose a partner to divorce or death as a developmental phase of adulthood. Because unless you don't partner with people, you will experience that at some point in your life. I've experienced it. Most people I know have experienced it. To me, that time is actually such an exciting time. And, you know, I primarily work with women and, and, uh, non-binary people. And as I watch them, I, I see them in a very fertile, creative time. They're getting to, to recreate their lives. I went through the same thing when I went through divorce. So, you know, it's like this, this time when it's like, I get to have the things I've set aside. I've, I've left, you know, or that I compromised and didn't really want to compromise. And so, so I just want to say up front that I think it's a really exciting time. And usually I say congratulations to people because there's something you're getting back or that you're getting to open yourself to that you didn't get to before. And so let that excitement fuel you, you know, in 
in dating and figuring out how to flirt again. You know, I mean, I flirt with everybody. I, I flirt with the birds. I'm just like, <laughs> oh man, I love your song today. That's awesome. I like talk to the birds. I talk to the trees. Like, you know, I, I flirt with the barista, you know, hopefully not in an inappropriate way, but just in it, like really flirting is attention, right? It's, it's noticing something about someone, it's it's, playful. you know, and sometimes it can be it's, it's playful. Yeah. And so it's just like a lot, like give yourself permission to just be playful and not have it mean anything. Right. Um, I think a lot of women learn to shut down their flirting, particularly if they've been in a monogamous long-term relationship, they really learn to shut it down, um, because they think it means they have to like deliver on something. And mm. I don't think that's what flirting actually is. Right. Flirting is just like, it's, it's a suggestion of something or it's just being playful. It's noticing something. It's giving attention and presence to someone. Um, it's making someone feel good, you know? Um, and so I think if we let go of some of those ideas that somehow we're going to owe somebody, um, because we allow ourselves to flirt a little, um, we get to have a lot more fun and I think the more fun you're having and the more you're actually getting yourself in your own body and your own sexuality and pleasure, the more success you're going to have with getting back out on the scene and dating. I mean, you know, online dating is a whole thing of its own. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I'm probably not the person to give everybody advice on that because I can't say I'm great at it myself. But I think the more that you are in your own confidence and you're in your body and the more you don't need someone else to fulfill you, but that you are fulfilled by yourself, that mm-hmm. is what makes you so attractive. Mm-hmm. And someday when we get to just be in social environments again with people, you know, that's going to go a long way mm-hmm. for you. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I think it's like, take it step by step and don't be hard on yourself about it. Like no one has figured out online dating, you know, it's mm-hmm. like online dating is, it's, 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 it's kind of its own beast. And, um, you know, some people have success with it. Um, you know, I think consistency like anything is really, uh, important with it, but I don't know anyone during COVID who's done super well with online dating. So <laughs> it wasn't I think a little bit of a, yeah, yeah. I didn't enjoy spell. it. Very, I, I was so, so satisfying to delete my dating apps. Once I got with my husband, mm-hmm. it was like, mm-hmm. Oh, thank God. Excited to learn more. Download the full episode from the Over It and On With It podcast and listen to Imagine and Christine Hassler's full interview. Links to that and both their social media sites are in the show notes below. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please share with someone you think might benefit. And until next time, thanks for listening.